Seeing is not believing, says Geraldine Chaplin's Aurora. It is the other way around. First we must believe, and then we will see what it is we long for. The orphanage is a disturbing, yet intelligent and compassionate dramatization of loss and bereavement. In some ways, it is a wish-fulfillment fantasy, a way of following the departed into the void so that they can be made to live again, and that the intolerable enigma of their death can be solved. I'm Katie Shul. And I'm Sean Reedy. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about darkened caves, hidden treasures, and mysterious doorknobs. You know, I just feel like you never want to see a doorknob. Not mysteriously. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like a, you know, like a like a disembodied doorknob. Right. Just like, here's this doorknob. Here's just this hanging old, out. This old random ass doorknob. Like that. That can't be the result of anything good. No. Right? No, no. A door with the doorknob removed. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty scary door. I mean, I guess at least you have a way of getting out of that door. You're like, here, I can open it. Look right. at that. Well, I mean, yeah, unless you're already in there. Right. And then the doorknob is removed. Then you're fucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tonight we are discussing the orphanage. Ah, Yes. The 2007 classic. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful film. It really is. It's also very sad. It is. This is like heartbreaking. Yeah. Like there is no, there is no like, you know, the, even, even the sort of like, you know, the uplifting end is, is still just horridly tragic. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so funny because it's like, you know, um. I feel like that's the difference between American movies and European ones. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a. I mean, this this movie is sort of like half American because it was it was uh, a collaboration between Del Toro's production company and uh, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not the last minute like jump scare. Right. Oh, thank God for that. Right. Or the <laughs> like the like the you know keeping it open for any like sequels because you really could not have a sequel to this movie. No. Uh, I mean, unless you change the setting entirely. Right. But you know, the it's called the orphanage. <laughs> Setting's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Um. I mean, you could do one of those things where it's like. It's about an orphanage, but right. they're just like, here, we're gonna tie this story in and just call it orphanage two. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know how they like to do that sometimes. Right. It's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, Speaking of, by the way, so, uh, in a way at least, because uh, they have been, I, I was doing when I was doing a little research on this, they've been trying to remake this movie basically since it came out because of how well it did. Well, that makes sense. Right. Like, the, the inclusion of Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. like, almost... It seemed inevitable that they right. were going to turn around and make an English language version of this movie. Right. But yeah, they never did. Do we know? Do we know why? Is it just like stuck in development hell, or that's kind of what it sounds like? So the there most of the updates came from like two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they originally had the director of, wow, that movie just, oh, the original director of The Mothman Prophecies. Okay. Um, name of the director, blanking right now. But that's who they were going to have direct. Um, like that. That was that was who it was. Um, but um, and and Guillermo del Toro was on board with that. Mm-hmm. The original director, uh, J. A. Bayona, mm-hmm. was is not a fan of American. Like like he like there is a quote that I had read. I believe it was on Wikipedia, but I may be wrong on that. So do not quote me. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was Wikipedia. But, okay, it's not like this being recorded or anything. Right, not at all. Um, <laughs> but he he basically was like, Americans, all they can do are remake movies because they can't think of any original ideas. Okay, sir. <laughs> I'm like, well. <laughs> I don't disagree, but also, like, he obviously said that before he started, like, before he directed a film in the Jurassic Park franchise. Uh-huh. It's like, man, that money changes you real quick, doesn't it? Real quick. Yeah, because he absolutely did do The Fallen World. He did, yeah. Jurassic World. Or uh, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Jurassic yeah. World, Fallen Kingdom. He The man who directed this movie. This restrained, quiet, atmospheric <laughs> story about grief and guilt. Mm-hmm. Also did Fallen Kingdom, where mm-hmm. Chris Pratt outruns dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. On a motorcycle. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I fucking love every single one of the Jurassic Park oh, movies. absolutely. Even the bad ones, uh-huh. including Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, because the level... I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> like, this is absolutely ludicrous. There's a fucking raptor in, like, a... In like a although, I guess the, the sort of scary old mansion is... A connection. Yeah. Right? Because there is that, like, crazy well, mansion. And I will say, though, I've actually... That's the only Jurassic Park movie I haven't seen. Oh, sorry. Actually, I'm going to correct that. Because I haven't seen all of the second one, either. The second, like... Lost World. The Lost World? Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I saw Jurassic Park 3 in theaters. Mm-hmm. But Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Jurassic Park? No, no, no. Haven't seen all of it. So The Last World, The Last World. The Lost the Lost. Jesus Christ. I think I said The Last World, too. The Last Word <laughs> on Jurassic Park. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, Jurassic I... Park was actually the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh, really? The original, yeah. was the first movie. I was six years old. It was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I absolutely love that for you. Yep. I don't remember the first movie that I ever saw in theaters. I think the the the... The first movie that I could remember seeing in theaters was um, Babe. Yeah, I think we talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, where you it was at a drive-in. Yes, right. Because we were talking about this with Night Before Christmas. Right, because they, were they playing started playing after. that, and your dad was like, "Nope," and he noped right out of there, and you were like, "But, but look at the creepy! <laughs> I want to watch it. I want." Yeah, I was very sad about that. So the orphanage. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> well, and so I have to say that the choice. To have Guillermo del Toro produce this mm-hmm. and the timing of it, if it, its release and it being marketed as produced by Guillermo del Toro being yes. coming out, like having come out right after Pan's Labyrinth right. was genius. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, it that doesn't take away from the fact that this movie is phenomenal. 
Right. It is phenomenal. And, and, uh, I'm sorry. I forgot his name already. The director. J.A. Boyega? Yeah. Is that how you say it? J.A. Bayona. Bayona. Um. Bayona. Something like that. I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. It's okay. I just, like, forgave you on his behalf. (laughs) (laughs) Bayona did a phenomenal job, but it is a little bit like, uh, speaking of Nightmare Before Christmas, Mm -hmm. right? People think of this as a Del Toro movie. Right. In the same way that they think Nightmare Before Christmas is a Burton movie. Absolutely. And it's like, no. No, no. No. Produced. Produced by, sure. Mm -hmm. Heavily influenced by. Yes. For sure. Oh, like, absolutely. This, this absolutely feels like a Del Toro movie. But it almost doesn't, actually. Like, there are there are differences. Like, the, the general themes mm-hmm. are very Del Toro, but but the styling is, is much more muted yes. than Del yeah. Toro ever goes. Yeah, like, the overall execution is not, is not the same. Right. So, yeah. Um, but people do. I bet, you know, I bet this would be one of those... That you know, people got wrong and the the trivia, just like the mm. Tim Burton, yeah, like name name a movie. Which of these movies hasn't he directed? And they would you know pick uh, not pick this one. Mm-hmm. So, well, and and I will say like doing that because like when this movie came out again, like right after Pan's Labyrinth was released, yeah, he was um, like hush it. I mean, he's always hush it, but oh you know, yes, that but was like, like the beginning of yes. him being yeah. Um, but. That is why I picked up this movie. Mm. That is why I decided to watch it because I saw his name on it and it right. looked creepy. And I will say I was like slightly disappointed with how not creepy the movie was in the right. way of the, how they described it because they were like, it's the most terrifying movie ever made, whatever, blah, 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 which is usually how they describe it. Right. Movies. I mean, that's just how they do. How and how marketing goes. But the movie was and is a phenomenal film. It is. Well, and I think... The funny thing about this movie is that no, it's not it's not very scary. Mm-hmm. But in terms of real life scenarios, right? Like things that could actually happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like when you're when you're talking about horror movies in particular, there's usually not a lot of like um like, not a lot of relatability in, like, right. what you would actually do in that situation. Because when would you ever be in that situation? Right. But, like, your child disappearing? Like, there is nothing more terrifying than this movie. Right. Right? Like, the actual mm-hmm. the actual scenario here, there is nothing mm-hmm. scarier than losing a child and, and not, not knowing, and not knowing if they're alive or dead and the child's sick. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah, to to market this as like a a huge like you know, big scare type of movie was mm-hmm. was not a not a good choice because no. it's not it's very sort of like it's a slow burn. Right. <laughs> this is the definition of a slow burn. Yeah, I actually had uh, Nico watch the trailer to it, mm-hmm. and when I was watching the trailer, I was like, "Fuck, he's not gonna want to watch this because they make this movie look terrifying." Right. They put in like the they put in like the three jump scares that they're on yes. this movie, and they <laughs> jump all into the trailer. Literally, any scary moment was in that trailer. Uh-huh. And and what's funny though is because of how good the story is, it didn't take away from the movie. Like watching it that, no, it's no, no, still no. still a great movie. No, it's still a great movie. Um, but he could absolutely watch this movie. Right. Yeah. Now, I will say too, because of the success of Pan's Labyrinth, in a way, 
when it, when this movie came out, its opening weekend, it actually did better than Pan's Labyrinth. Right. Well, that's not that unusual, mm-hmm. right? Because Pan's Labyrinth wasn't really all that hyped before it came out. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, unless you were... Was Hellboy before or after Pan's Labyrinth? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good question. I think it was after. Uh-huh. But, um, because Pan's Labyrinth was what, 2006? No, I lied. Hellboy was before. Technically, it was in between. Because <laughs> the first Hellboy came out in 2004. The second one, which was the better one. Um, sorry, fight me. Um, but <laughs> second one, second Hellboy was better. But the second one came out in 2008. So, like, there were, you know, he had he had done big films, but Pan's Labyrinth was his breakout, for sure. Absolutely. So, you know, the the hype surrounding this movie, having Del Toro's name attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, we're going to dig in. Yeah. <laughs> but first... It is Shocktail Hour. That was was pretty good. Tonight's Shocktail is called The Knock on the Wall. Sean, tell us what's a knock on the wall. So the knock on the wall consists of one full shot of Chambord, Mm -hmm. a half of a shot of Frangelico, Mm -hmm. as well as a half a shot of Bailey's Almond Liqueur. Mm -hmm. And then I would top that off with half of a can um, there's actually a, uh, I'm going to promote LaCroix cause here we are mm-hmm. and it's, it's one of my favorites, but they have a new black raspberry flavored, um, sparkling water and it that is delicious. it is so good. Um, so do half of a can of that, mm-hmm. um, stir that all together and then, um, rim your glass with graham cracker crumbs. Mm-hmm. Nice, refreshing, summery. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, of course, uh, reminiscent of the flavors of a blackberry tart, mm-hmm. which, you know, will be relevant later. Yes. This one won't get you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't don't add any, you know, yes. strychnine or whatever. Cyanide. They never actually said what she used. I don't know. I don't think so. And they also didn't show the children. Nope. Being sick, which is... I think it was a good choice, because like that, well, we can get into it. <laughs> the orphanage is about, shocking, I know, an orphanage. Wait, 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 wait. I know. You're saying that this movie, uh-huh. called The Orphanage, uh-huh. it's about an orphanage? It takes place in an orphanage. I thought it was children with parents. <laughs> <laughs> was that bad? No, just the one. <laughs> oh, just the one, got it. Just the one had parents. Well, but he was adopted. So at some point he was an orphan. <laughs> this is getting complicated. It's getting complicated. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's a lot of nuance here. Mm-hmm. Well, the and the movie opens with a game of tag. Yeah, about thirty years in the past ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this is at the orphanage. These are the orphans that are playing mm-hmm. this game of tag and our m- main character Laura mm-hmm. is who we're introduced in- to first she's actually the one that is um it it yes yeah. 
so I guess it, I've never seen this version of Tag, and I actually really love it. Um, and it also made a really creepy moment happen in the movie. So Right, yeah. It's almost like a... It's like Tag mixed with red light, green light. Yes. Yeah, because like mm-hmm. the first part of it is red light, green light. Uh-huh. And then when they get close enough to her, they tag her, and then they all start running. Right. Right. So they're playing this, this game of Tag, and then um, Laura ends up being adopted. Right. So that is that is the day that she leaves the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all that you really get to see of that time period mm-hmm. in the moment. Right. Um, so skip 30-ish years later. Mm-hmm. And Laura is married and has a son, mm-hmm. which you end up finding out is adopted as well. Yes. He is, he is adopted. He is also HIV positive, mm-hmm. which was a really interesting choice. Yeah. Um, because there are, like, I'm no expert on HIV, right? But he was on a, he was on a a sort of daily Mm -hmm. medication, right? To keep the, I'm assuming it was an antiviral or like a prep type thing. Right. Right. Um, to keep his viral load down and keep his T cells up Mm -hmm. would be my assumption. They never explain this in the movie, but like that would be what I would assume you would take a daily pill if you had, if you were HIV positive. Mm -hmm. So like... Going off that medication would not immediately kill him. No. Right? Like, I think that that was actually a really interesting choice because it was a very serious, potentially, you know, extremely deadly disease. But he was able to, on this medication, be a perfectly healthy child. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And unlike if they made him diabetic... And he needed insulin every day, right? They wouldn't. They wouldn't have made it a week without presuming that he was dead wherever he was. Right. Yeah. You no, know what I mean. Yeah, like, exactly. and the thing about the the prep or whatever he was on is that like, you you could live a while without it, mm-hmm. like until you got an infection that took you out because of your weakened immune system. Right. But like, you know, it it wasn't. It wasn't quite the like absolute like they could still have hope six months later yes that Mm -hmm. he was alive so i thought that was an interesting choice to make him hiv positive and also just something that is you know i mean i guess i don't know what the sort of like cultural like collective cultural um imaginary about hiv is in spain Mm mm-hmm but like you know, it's it has this like as a disease, it's very like fraught history, and it's been so stigmatized. So the fact that they yeah. did not tell him that they hadn't right. told him that he has this, mm-hmm. right? Just as they hadn't told him that he was adopted, right? Um, which of course he finds out because, of course, he's gonna find out. Well, I mean, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hid the paperwork in a drawer in the kitchen table. Right. <laughs> that did lock. It did lock. In fairness, but like he got his hands on the key real quick. Right. Well, and like I don't know, I don't know how you treat a child for a disease without telling him what the disease is. Like, surely a doctor must have said it out loud at some point, right? Right. Like, unless you tell the doctor, like that just it doesn't seem ethical. But anyway, um, so yes, so Laura has decided they she and her husband, who is a doctor, Mm -hmm. um, 
have decided to reopen the orphanage. The orphanage has been abandoned almost as long as Laura hasn't lived there. Yep. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Nobody really questions why. <laughs> why bother? But they're they're going to open a, a small group group home for uh, special needs children. Mm-hmm. So they're fixing the house up. So in many ways, this is like your classic. Like this is this is very much within the conventions of the haunted house movie. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's mm-hmm. a very it's a very well executed mm-hmm. entry into that genre. But it is like until the very end. You yeah. can predict everything that's happening, right? There's the there's the old house with which there's a personal connection. There's the weird, like, elderly person who seems to have a secret that is connected to the house. <laughs> right. There's a medium who shows up. There's the cops who don't believe everybody. There's the child who, like, is more sensitive to the goings-on than everyone else. Yep. Right, and no one believes him either, because obviously mm-hmm. just making up friends, right? So it is. It is very much just very conventional. Um, so they are fixing up the house, and Laura's adopted son Simon. I'm not going to try to say it with the accent. Just... Simon. 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 <laughs> Simon. He has a lot of imaginary friends, mm-hmm. and he acquires more yes. when they move to the house. And at first. At first, they think nothing of this, right? Because it's a big change for a young child. I read in one article that he's supposed to be nine. Do they say that in the movie at any point? Because I don't think that child is nine. I I don't remember them saying his age at all. I don't either. But nine seems a little old. Nine seems a little old. Like, I would put it more like six or seven. Yeah. Right? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't I don't know. He's right in there. <laughs> He's a kid. <laughs> He's a child. He's under 10. Right. Um so yeah, young child, big changes, no other you know, no other kids because they're in this sort of like isolated place. Mm-hmm. Um but they're they're sort of like it'll be fine, right? Like the the dad who again is a doctor is like, you know, as soon as the real kids show up, those imaginary friends are just going to disappear. Right. Not quite. Now what happens? Someone disappears. Not the imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. He also starts acting out a little. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a day that a social worker with very thick glasses mm-hmm. comes to the door. She has his file. She looks very legit. Right? Yeah. She has a card. Mm-hmm. Like she she looks she looks completely legit. She gives, you know, she just sort of says like, oh, I'm I'm just here to see, you know, I heard that you guys had moved in here and I just thought I'd show up like I'm, I'm going to be the caseworker for your son now that you're here. And I just thought that I would, you know, pop in and see if you needed anything. And Laura is like, like what? <laughs> right. Like A, what? B, go away. Like, right. Not, and not particularly alarmed by the woman's presence at first, except mm-hmm. that she doesn't want the child to overhear the conversation. Right. Right. She's like, my husband isn't home. Simon doesn't know he's adopted. He doesn't know he's ill. Like, mm-hmm. I need you to come back another time, like actually make an appointment and, you know, be a normal person. Right. She's um, like, nah. 
<laughs> she does not. She comes back another time. Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking about how this scene is actually hilarious because <laughs> she's just such an odd looking little person. Yes. So later that night, Laura goes out to the shed, which is also like it was the it was like the bakehouse. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that is the thing. And I think a twist on this beyond the sort of normal haunted house trope is that this building is an institution. Like, it's not a private residence. Right. Right? So there are elements of this building that you don't usually see in your, like, run-of-the-mill haunted house story. Mm -hmm. Like, an entire chapel. Right. Right? Like, a a Catholic Catholic chapel. Mm -hmm. Um, And this this shed... (laughs) Uh, you know, this, this shed where they would have baked the bread for all of the children, mm-hmm. right? And all the staff and everything uh, back in the day. Obviously, they're only planning on having a few kids. They're not going to be using, you know, those huge ovens out there. <laughs> um, I mean, thankfully. Thankfully. My God. My God. Talk about horrifying, but we'll get to that. Right. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> Horrifying. But, you know, so they're just using that as, like, storage. Right. Notably, all of the old stuff from the orphanage is still there. Yeah, all of it. All of it. Almost as if the place was just abandoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, spur of the moment. Right? Um, but I also think, like, that... That is such, like, a lovely little subtle allegory Mm -hmm. for this place being tied to the past in a way that is not escapable, Mm -hmm. right? They absolutely could have thrown all that stuff out. They could have had somebody come and haul it all away. For some reason, they chose to just put it all in this bakehouse, Right. right? So, like, the entire past of the place was shut in to this shed mm-hmm. right all of it all of it <laughs> <laughs> like in more ways than one yes so yeah so laura ends up see like hearing something outside in the in right. the shed goes out there mm-hmm. finds this woman who acts very much like a possum <laughs> oh my god i didn't make that connection <laughs> looks like one acts like one like short of hissing at her i was gonna say that was all that was yeah all that was, was missing mm-hmm. She says, what are you doing here? The woman says nothing. She runs away in this very sort of like, like Peter fucking Cottontail type of way. Right. And then like, they're not particularly alarmed by that. Nope. Which probably, you know. I mean, Laura kind of was. Laura kind of was, but her husband was like, oh, she's a little old lady. How? She's harmless. It's fine. Like. Don't she worry came, about it. She came to our home unannounced to inquire about our son and then showed up with a shovel mm-hmm. hours later in the middle of the night. Clearly, there's nothing odd going on here at Not all. Not at all. She just, you know, just let her go. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Simon begins to act out. Mm-hmm. He, well, I mean, in their mind, makes up this game, this treasure hunt game, mm-hmm. right? Where you, it's basically a scavenger hunt, right? Like you, you have one object that is 
out of place. So you go to where that was supposed to be and you'll find the next object and the next object and the mm-hmm. next object until finally you get to what you were looking for, your hidden treasure. Right. Uh, during this game, which he does, you know, he does figure out where his, his hidden treasure is, but um, he reveals to his mother that he has been told... That he's adopted. That he's adopted and that he's ill. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she and the husband have, like, a little, like, sit down, heart to heart with him. Um, but that doesn't make the imaginary friends go away. Right. In fact, he just gets more erratic. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the day that the, uh... The children, the special needs children, have arrived. And they're having a little, like, garden party to welcome them. Mm-hmm. There are, really quick before we get into that, there was one quick thing that I wanted to mention because it plays into it a little bit later. Yeah, sure. Um, actually, two th- two quick things. Okay. So, one, there is a point where um, she is putting, Laura's putting uh, someone to bed. Mm-hmm. And he asks about the lighthouse oh right yeah the lighthouse mm-hmm. and the lighthouse doesn't work mm-hmm. and she's like you, you know it's like it's actually it works but it's invisible light mm-hmm. so all in all lighthouse does not work mm-hmm. um but it was cute to you know right use it was some imagination know, right it's like you know it's 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 like um you know you put you put water and like you know some lavender oil or something in a spray bottle and you're like this is anti-monster spray and you right. spray it under their bed right it was mm-hmm. that kind of thing on her end right right exactly manages to like reflect the moon's light off of an alarm clock and I... like hit the lighthouse from a mile away like talent so cool <laughs> like, <laughs> but also what the that's I don't think chance. it's possible, no, but like I, I wish it were because right? that would be so cool to mm-hmm. be able to do. But yes. Um, the other thing that also plays into the, the movie a little bit later is Simone mentions that he's, he wants to be, if I'm not mistaken, said he wants to be like Peter Pan, where he never wants to grow old. Yes. He's never going to grow old. And he's never going to grow old. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is, like, his new friends who will never grow old. Exactly. And, like, that's where she starts getting a little bit more concerned mm-hmm. about, like, you know, he just found out that he has this disease and now he's right. talking about being Peter Pan. And it's like, right. uh-oh, like, he might be, you know, traumatized by this. I suppose another thing we should mention that happens before the day of the party is they do go, this actually happens before the treasure hunt or anything, um, they do go to see a cave because, yes. like, this orphanage is on this just, like, it's it's crazy to me that, like, they're just places that just look like this. Right. Right? Like, we live in Michigan. <laughs> like, <laughs> and we have beaches. We but have not beaches, like that. but not like that. Like, not, like, well, I mean, I guess if you go, like, I mean, maybe, like, the closest thing we have is, like, pictured rocks, I suppose. Right, pictured right? rocks like, or that turnip kind rock. Of, yeah, like, you yeah. know, where it's, like, you have cliffs. Right. Um, but there are there are sea caves, right, mm-hmm. in, in these cliffs that, like, fill up at high tide. Mm-hmm. And then they're, like open caves that you can walk into at low tide yep so they go in there to explore just he Mm -hmm. and his mother are just playing and that is where he finds yet another little imaginary friend named tomas yes and he explicitly invites tomas back to the house Mm -hmm. which you know is like ghost vampires it's just 101 just like don't invite them back don't do the thing don't don't invite them in (laughs) bad things are gonna happen Mm -hmm. so now we're to the day of the party and 
Simon's being a, a bit of a brat. And Laura actually ends up... And the thing he keeps saying is that he wants to show her Tomas's house. Right. Like, that's what he... He wants to show her Tomas's house. And she's like, I have all of my new clients in the, in the yard. Right, like, no. Like, no, we no. need to go downstairs mm-hmm. and go, like, this is our this is our business now, right? Like, this right. is what we're doing. Um, she does end up smacking him, mm-hmm. right? Which would be just... I mean, she absolutely sh- shouldn't have done that, right? right? No matter how bratty he's being. But, like, can you imagine if that was your last interaction with your child? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, like, it's... It, Goes back to how when you actually think about the reality of this movie, like remove the ghosts and think about mm-hmm. like the actual reality of this movie, just how fucking heart wrenching it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so he runs away, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Okay, fine, I'll, I'll I'll deal with him later. I have to go downstairs to the party." She's at the party, but she's worried about it, mm-hmm. right? So at one point, she goes back into the house to look for him, and she sees a little boy who is wearing a really truly terrifying mask (laughs) right (laughs) just and like the idea the idea that like once we get into the backstory of this kid in this mask the idea that they thought that that mask was better than the child's face Uh, like deformed or not right like he wasn't that bad like he was like it's just a child with like a facial deformity it's Mm -hmm. like the mask is makes him look like a monster (laughs) like yes (laughs) um but yes so she sees this little boy he locks her in the bathroom mm-hmm. and runs away. She's assuming it's her son. Right. Right. Like that he's just found this crazy mask and in mm-hmm. the house somewhere and that he's, you know, she's assuming it's her son. But then when she is freed from the bathroom, uh, nobody can find Simon. Mm-hmm. And they look all over the house. They look in the closets. They put stuff back in the closets. Yep. Um, yeah, I did think it was really ra- like. What are those large bars from that she had that they had in the closet? So I think that those are. I mean, I don't know for mm-hmm. sure, but what they read as to me is pieces of playground equipment. Uh, like they do have the playground equipment in the backyard, right. like the. One of the one of the sort of clues you as the viewer get that something ghosty is about to happen is when the little like seesaw outside starts to turn by itself. Yep. Right. Um, so I think that I think the fact that it is playground equipment, particularly in that closet, like that's the other thing. Like that given what that closet is, right, and it's in, like its significance to the story. I feel like those are probably pieces of playground equipment. Mm-hmm. But if I'm wrong, and you're like, no, Katie, you're an idiot. Those are clearly this, this, and that. Feel free to scream at us and let us know. Yes, please. Because I'm very curious. Uh-huh. So, poor Laura was already injured when she got locked in the bathroom. Her hand was injured. Then she runs down to the shore because she assumes that that's where the boy is gone. Back to the cave. Oh, right. And she sees a boy in the cave. Mm-hmm. And so, and the tide's coming in. So she's frantic, mm-hmm. right? And she then falls down on the shore and cuts her leg pretty badly on a rock. Does she, okay, oh, so she I might was, break it, actually. I was going to say, because I couldn't tell if she broke it or, because she, I think she had it in a cast. That's true. You're right. I think, I think it must have been that she, she broke it on the mm-hmm. rock. 
Um, and it was just, it was bloody because it, like, there was also a flesh wound. Right. But, yeah, so she does, um, she does get injured. So they take her to the hospital. They call the police because mm-hmm. they can't find the boy. The, the police search the cave. And they say he's definitely not in the cave. Right. Absolutely not in the cave. They search the house. They search the grounds. They can't find him. Suspicion immediately falls upon the old woman who came to inquire about him and mm-hmm. then snuck back onto the property later. Right. I mean, I don't know why. Seems a little paranoid, but... Um, I don't know. But they, you know, the police say they're going to launch an investigation. They're going to find the boy. Right, because that's when... Uh, that's Pilar. Pilar? Yeah, that's when Pilar shows up. Yeah. Who is a, who is a police psychologist. Mm-hmm. So sort of like a... I suppose that like her equivalent, her equivalent to in our system would probably actually be like probably a victim's advocate type person, right? Like that kind of like mm-hmm. the liaison between the family and the, and the investigators. Right. And then, you know, they go back to the house mm-hmm. and the husband gives Laura his St. Anthony medal. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says... This will this will bring us good luck. And she says, you don't believe in that. And he's like, yeah, but you do. That's why you're the one that needs to wear it. Right? He's like, and when we find Simon, you can give it back. Like, I'm not giving it to you. Right. When we find Simon, you can give it back. Mm-hmm. But wear it until then. So, uh, we immediately jump six months. Yeah. Like, immediately. The next thing we see is there's a, a sort of... I don't want to call it a murder board, but that's what it is, right? Like, they've got the sort of the map and the pins and, like, you know, there's obviously been tips that have been followed that have come up with nothing and right. newspaper articles taped to the wall. And you get the feeling that this has been the father's way of dealing with this, right? Mm-hmm. That the, like, the father is very invested in the police investigation. Right. To figure out, like, who, like, he's kind of assuming that he's dead. He's point. assuming that he's dead or that he's been kidnapped. <clears throat> right. Right. But that, like, it, it is, it is, he has left through natural means. Right. And that, that can be figured out through police work. Mm-hmm. Laura is less invested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, she is hearing a lot of strange things in the house. She's including, well, including just shortly after the boy disappeared, a very loud crash. So I was going to ask about that because I couldn't remember the time frame if that was before or after the six month jump. Because I know that she like, she was dreaming. I remember that scene. She was dreaming about swimming. Mm -hmm. And then she woke up and then heard something like kind of through the vents. And then all of a sudden there was a crash. I think it absolutely had to be before the jump. Yeah. Because. It makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. I think that had to be like. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. He he wouldn't have survived down there. Right. Long enough. Mm Mm-hmm. For it to be after the six months. Yeah, that so that sense. was like the, the first... I think that was like the night she came home from the hospital. Yes. And, yep. and then she heard that. Mm-hmm. And that freaked her out. Mm-hmm. And, and then we jumped the six months. Right. Um, so no, you know, hide no hair of this child has been found. Mm-hmm. It's been six months. They're at a grief counseling group. Yes. Which they kind of rebel against because they don't... She, in particular, does not want to believe that the child is dead. Right. So when they're like, 
you know, she she keeps saying like, I I can still feel him with me. I can still feel him that mm-hmm. he's alive. I can I can like I think he's I think he's around somewhere, right? And then all of these other parents who have lost children are like, oh yeah, I feel like that all the time. Right. And she's like, yeah, but the difference is my son isn't dead. Like, so goodbye. And they leave. Mm-hmm. And get in the car. This is the legitimate oh shit moment of the movie for me. <laughs> like, like I exclaimed out loud. And then when I watched it again yes. before I did, be, you know, before we recorded this, when mm-hmm. I watched it just to have, you know, for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I exclaimed again because I had forgotten it happened. <laughs> so they get in the car. They're leaving the grief counselor meeting, right? And this this is like the only time that they go into the city, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing, again, about this orphanage. Like any good haunted house, it is remote. Yes. Right. Um, unless you're poltergeist. But. I mean, fair. <laughs> but uh, so they get in the car. And who do they see? <laughs> But the old woman, right, who had broken into there, who apparently like, I don't know if the police had talked to her. I don't know if they yeah. like couldn't find her because she like she gave them, she gave like Laura knew her full real name. Right, like she wasn't, you know, like I feel like she wouldn't have been that hard to find. Like I feel like the the I feel like the investigation was kind of shoddy. A little bit. Little well, bit. And you got to think, though, it is six months later, too. So they probably did question her. Right. That's true. Maybe she, maybe and, they questioned her. But, like, obviously, Laura wouldn't have had any interaction with her right. directly. And, mm-hmm. like, maybe they couldn't find any evidence mm-hmm. for obvious reasons because she doesn't have the boy. Right. So, <laughs> but she is pushing a baby carriage. Yeah. Which is creepy as fuck. Yep. Um, so they're stopped at a red light. The woman's crossing the street. Laura jumps out of the car and is like... Hey, <laughs> like the old woman stops and turns around, and looks at her, immediately gets hit by a truck. Like <laughs> she's just like, huh? Boom! And it's like, holy! <laughs> Whoa! Um, yeah, was not at all expecting that. It. Which is funny because usually whenever I see someone stop in the middle of a road, I automatically assume they're going to get hit by a car. That moment, I was not expecting it. Well, they actually did a good job of framing it because you don't actually, you can't really see that she has stopped in the road. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it almost looks like she's on the sidewalk on the other side. Right. But she's like, just barely not. Yep. Just enough to get hit by the truck. Um, So she dies. Mm -hmm. The husband, who's a doctor, runs to her and like tries to, tries to like help her. To oh no god, avail. that fucking scene too mm-hmm. of her jaw being like mm-hmm. ripped off. Yep, her jaw is basically ripped off. And Laura runs to the baby carriage because she, for some reason, thinks that her right really her... definitely not a baby child is in that baby carriage. Yeah, he wouldn't fit. But but she's just like she thinks that this woman has her child, and then there was right. a baby carriage, so like he has to be in the baby carriage, and the baby carriage is under the truck. Right, right. So she gets there and she sees it was like groceries or something. Yeah, I think it was groceries and a doll. Yeah, like, which Mm -hmm. is weird. Right. Um, Like, this woman clearly... Well, I mean, this woman clearly has issues. Yes. (laughs) Like, very clearly this woman has issues. Yeah. Um, But the doll comes back around too, right? Is that the doll they find in the house? Yes. Okay. Okay, the doll comes Mm -hmm. back around. Um, So... It's a doll of Tomas. It's a doll of Tomas. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, because all the children are represented by a doll. Yes. So she has the Tomas doll. Uh-huh. Okay. So they go, she goes, you know, once she realizes that her child's not in the carriage, she then runs to the old woman because, like, right. obviously. Um, so clearly the only person who's been hurt is the old woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, her husband is doing CPR, but he stops. He, like, says, you know, she's gone. And she's not. Not yet. <laughs> not quite. Very, like, little little carry moment. Yeah. Where she goes, Laura goes to reach for a whistle that the woman is wearing around her neck mm-hmm. because she remembers hearing a whistle the day that Simon disappeared. She heard a whistle mm-hmm. like echoing through the hallway right before she was shoved into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the old woman grabs her hand and the the scarf that the husband had put over her face falls away and you just see that half of her face has been ripped off. Yeah. It's very upsetting. Um, so, you know, that doesn't... That's not great. Not a good day. Because... Two things. First of all, you know, it's like... She, she got this old woman killed. Right. Right? Like, she called her name. She would have been out of the street if she hadn't called her name. Um, but also... She feels like that is the link to find her son. And that this woman has yep. information mm-hmm. that she needs to find her son. And now this woman is dead. Yep. However, they go and they search their woman's apartment. And they find some old Super 8s, mm-hmm. which is great. Like, such a great device. Oh, yeah. Is anytime, anytime you have, like, a nice, like, record, rickety Super 8 footage, like, that's just such a great device. Mm-hmm. Just like that movie that I thought was Insidious. <laughs> <laughs> Sinister? Yeah, that one. <laughs> and they find a photograph. They find a photograph from the orphanage that has Laura in it, and it has her five little friends that she was playing with at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it has this woman. Right. And Laura's like, I don't remember her being there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember her ever being there. And they were like, well, she started right before you left. And she mm-hmm. wasn't there for very long. Mm-hmm. And she had the son who was born with a facial deformity. Mm-hmm. And so they put a sackcloth mask over his head, which made him look like a monster. Right. When, like, his, his face, like, really would have been fine. Yep. They also, like, kept him locked away, which, like, parenting 101. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. You can the... take a child that's going to have issues and then just, like, compound those issues. Just make it. Oh, yeah. So we learned that she had this son and that she did briefly work at the orphanage. That she was a social worker, right? Mm-hmm. She was she was telling the truth about that. Like, she had been a social worker at the orphanage. Right. And there are, like, photos of this. And, like, the idea that you would make this child wear this mask and then take his photo... <laughs> That cracks me up. Like, you would make him wear the mask, and then you would take photos of him. Like, happy, like, smiling photos. Like, Mm -hmm. where she's like, hi, here I am with my child, and my child's wearing the sackcloth on his face. How about you let him smile? How about you let him smile? Like, maybe show his face. Like, his face is not bad. Right. Like, I mean, it it wouldn't matter what his face is like. Do do not put sackcloth masks on children, no matter what their faces look like. Bad idea. Mm -hmm. A, it's always going to look worse than what the actual child looks like. Mm Mm-hmm. And B, you know, you're just, you're instilling a level of self-hatred in the child that you really should try to avoid. Um, but 
we learn that this child died mm-hmm. in the cave where Laura thought she saw her own son. Right. Um, that the other children at the orphanage had been teasing him. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see what his face looked like. He would never show them. So they took him into that dark cave and they took his mask, mm-hmm. assuming that he would eventually come out to get it. Um, but he didn't. And the tide came in and he drowned. Yep. Tragic. Awful. Like, obviously, you know, obviously none of these children intended for him to get hurt. Right. But the child died. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's all we know. Right? Just mm-hmm. that that child died. Mm-hmm. So there now we have this connection to why this woman was interested in the orphanage in the first place. Mm-hmm. And these Super 8s. Right. And in these Super 8s, you know, she sees... So Laura is watching these Super 8s and, and they are of her childhood. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. Like, just this roundabout way. Yeah. <laughs> Of of a childhood that is somewhat outside of her identity, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not adopted, and also do not have an adopted child, so I I don't I'm I'm certainly no expert to speak on this, but I would think that for her, her identity has been shaped by the family with whom she grew up. Yes, and these early years in the orphanage, like were all dredged up when she adopted her son. And I think that's why she went back and and wanted to like restart it. But Mm -hmm. it's clear that her memory of these times is a little fuzzy because she's like, she didn't remember the woman. Right. Right. Like, so it's not so much that she was too young because she wasn't that young. She was old enough to remember. Yeah. She was probably like seven. Yeah. Um, But it does sort of exist outside of, of her established identity mm-hmm. and she's just watching it unfold on these super eights. So right. she has this like strange disconnect from it, even though, even though they are all children that she knew intimately, right? right? Like were practically her siblings cause they lived, you know, they lived all together. Right. Well, and, and you got to think too, like she, you were moving that childlike, um, I don't necessarily like fantasy, but, um, uh, why, why can't I think of the word? Um, she had, she had nothing but positive memories of the place. Right. Like it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like a horrific place for her. Mm-hmm. Like she was clearly a very happy child. If you look at that first scene, like those children were happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Like they were, they were well cared for. Mm-hmm. They were just outside having fun. They were outside having fun. <laughs> like they were happy. So it mm-hmm. was, I think I know what you mean where it was sort of this like, idealistic view right of the place and yes. that was another reason why she wanted to revive it because mm-hmm. she wanted to provide that experience for these special needs children exactly so so that's that's six months in this whole thing this whole revelation yes and the finding of the super eights and the photographs and the finding out that tomas but like this is alarming for laura mm-hmm. because it confirms her suspicions that something supernatural is going on here because Tomas was the name of the little boy in the cave that mm-hmm. her son was talking to. Right. That he brought into the house. And the mask 
that the, that the little boy that she saw, whoever it was, mm-hmm. was wearing this boy's mask. Right. So she's like, great. Now we've got ghosts. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. But so at that point, we jump another three months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so now she's convinced that something supernatural is going on. So she starts to seek out uh, help in the sort of um, paranormal industry. Right. Shall we say. Right. Um, so she goes to a lecture, which is really funny because it's like there are these tropes, right? Like it's like The Conjuring when she goes and she sees Ed right. in the rain, right? Like it's, <laughs> he's talking about doppelgangers, which is, you know, which is a really interesting little like very subtle because right at the end she sees herself as a child outside. Uh-huh. Right? And he talked about like the, the doppelganger being the, the harbinger of death. Right. Right. And like right before... It's like right before the reveal of mm-hmm. like what she's done. She looks out and she sees herself. Mm-hmm. Not one of the not one of the ghost children. No, no, no. They're all in the room. Right. She sees herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, because that's Professor Leo Balaban. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, which is weird because I I think I tried watching that scene like two or three times and I did not see a moment where they said his name. <laughs> and I may have I may have missed it. I don't know. But I just happened to find it online. Right. But I'm like, what is this man's name? Right. <laughs> he never tell us. He's just there. He's just right. like the the you know, the conduit through which we get the medium. Right, exactly. Um, but so and of course, so he brings a medium. Right. Because you gotta have a seance. Mm-hmm. Or or something. You right. have to have a reading or a seance or something. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have a ghost movie though. It, right. And I love that her name is Aurora. Her name is Aurora. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yes. She is literally the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> so she does her little song and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets real. It gets, it gets real. And it gets real, real fast. Can we just talk about the fucking cinematography of using that night vision? Yeah. Oh my fuck. Uh-huh. Like, and the fact that we are, we, I don't think at any point, I'd have to watch the sequence again. I don't think at any point we are, as a viewer, in the room with Aurora. Or maybe just for a split second. Mm, I think just for like a split second right in the beginning. Yep. And then maybe a split second right when she opens the doors. Yeah. Like it's not, but it's not. For the most much. part, we are watching from the remove. Yes. Of the, we are watching the monitors with them. Yep. Right. I mean, we are absolutely like, our point of view person is Laura. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. We literally don't see anything that Laura does not see. Mm-hmm. There is not a moment. Yeah, there's not a moment in the film mm-hmm. where we are watching something that Laura is not present for. Right. So it is absolutely this story through her experience absolutely right so Mm -hmm. it makes sense that we wouldn't be in the room with the medium we're in the room with laura right Mm -hmm. um but it it is this brilliant sort of because when the interference starts Mm -hmm. it doesn't then switch to you see her no 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 no. you just don't know what the fuck's happening right so um yeah i agree that was that was great and it just you know i mean the night vision just adds this like uh you know eeriness right right because she's all like green Mm-hmm. right and like her eyes are, look all weird and mm-hmm. um 
But so she sees, she does not see Simon, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. She doesn't see Simon, but she does see five other children. And she's like, they're very sick. They've been poisoned. Right. Like something very bad happened here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were saying like, they, they want to kill us. and Right. Mm-hmm. They said that, yeah, said they're, they're going to, we're going to die. Mm-hmm. We're dying. And you hear the, and you never see it, which is like the, you hear them. You mm-hmm. hear them, but you can't see them mm-hmm. um, because they don't show up on the cameras. Right. So, like, presumably the medium can actually see them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she does. She, she starts. She starts talking about, like, oh, my God, what have they done to you before they start talking? Mm-hmm. So, like, she can see them. Right. So it's at, it's at that point that because the husband has invited the police psychologist. Right. Who's actually like fairly open, right? Like she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's let them do it. Like, that's mm-hmm. fine. Like everyone sort of understands that this is part of Laura processing her grief mm-hmm. until it gets real. Right. And then they're like, this had to be a setup. These people are scammers. Like they right. did something like he was up there setting up all this equipment. There must have been a recording that they like they're trying to they're trying to suck you into this. Right. And so she and her husband argue mm-hmm. like her husband wants to leave. Like he's like, our son is gone. He's not coming back. We need to leave this house. It's just like all these memories. Um. And she's like, well, and and I believe I believe he does leave. For some reason. Yeah. It got a little... That part got a little fuzzy for me because he was talking about leaving and then all of a sudden, like, he wasn't there for a little bit, but then suddenly he was there again, but then he was leaving again. Well, I... So I think that what... I think that what it was is that he had to go into... Like, he had to go on, like, a trip. Right. For, like, you know, doctor things. I have no idea. But, like, (laughs) he... There was somewhere he needed to go and he wanted her to go with him. And she was like, no, no, you can go. I'll stay here. And that's when... That's when the game starts. Yes. So, Laura's in the house by herself, and she starts finding clues. Mm-hmm. Just like the scavenger hunt game that she and Simon were playing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it leads her to the bakehouse. <laughs> so here's my question. And I think I know the answer. Did she use those ovens to cremate those children? Is that what we're supposed to assume? So that's kind of what it seems like. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how else they would have been ashes. But they were in bags. They were in flour sacks. Right. Well, but I mean, but a bread oven wouldn't fully cremate a body. Right. So, like, the well, bones there, would have still been there. Right, which there were which bones. Which was what the bones were. Like, mm-hmm. the bones were there. The metal was there. Like, mm-hmm. all of there. So, like, I don't know if she just stashed the bodies in sacks and they just decomposed to the point where they're skeletal. But, like, the fact that they were in sacks... Right. Near those ovens. And right. that she actually, like... She is led directly to the oven. Uh-huh. And like was was that first piece the jawbone which is beautiful because when the woman died her jawbone was uh-huh her jaw was ripped off and the first piece of evidence of her crime is found as a jawbone. Right. Did that come directly out of the oven? I don't know. My reading of that is that she used those ovens to cream out those children and so when Laura is like frantically ripping through the bags mm-hmm. she is covered in in 
the remains of the kids. Oh, it's that, not flour. Yeah, it's no, the, the ashes. Yeah, that looked like ashes, not flour. Mm-hmm. And can we just talk to real quick? Mm-hmm. So at first she's like, "Oh my fuck, these are bodies. Mm-hmm. These are the kids." And then there's suddenly a point where she like wipes her fucking face completely with yeah, ashes. With that. <laughs> I was like, "Ma'am, she's she's clearly just lost all yes. all grip on." I'm like, oh no, you wiped your mouth with ashes. Yeah, like you just, but human remains on your face. Um, so we learn, very conveniently, because like each of the bags had something that was like a fucking attribute of each individual child. Yes. (laughs) Each individual child had like an attribute, like Mm -hmm. the one had braces on her legs and the other one had like braces on his face, like a like a retainer and the mm-hmm. other one had like and then one just like had something in there that just straight up said the kid's name on it right <laughs> it <was> like, right <laughs> it was like oh we're gonna need time to identify these bodies oh no 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 no, no. we know exactly who they are it's fine yeah, it's fine it's fine this Look. one says martin clearly <laughs> <laughs> right? we know the little girl who lived here that liked to be called martin right so she finds the body she does call the police mm-hmm. at that point like at least she doesn't do the like Sometimes stupid ghost person thing of like, oh, something horrible happened here. I'm just going to investigate on my own. And <laughs> I call the police. Right. Um, so the police come. They take away the bodies. They immediately identify them as the five children um, that lived at the orphanage mm-hmm. when Laura was adopted. So her right. friends. Right. And they figure out what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, of course, a, a you know, handy dandy Super 8 video. Of her serving them uh, a blackberry tart. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know if that was the blackberry tart or if it was a blackberry tart, but, but like she fed them. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that she had poisoned them. That the, the children that were poisoned that the medium saw were these children. And yes. that um, Benigna yes. poisoned them because... They didn't kill her son. They created the conditions that led to her son's death. Right. But so in her like, mind, they yeah. killed her son. Right. So she's um, like revenge. Revenge. On via tart. Seven-year-olds. <laughs> right. right. Um, <laughs> like, clearly, ma'am, you're an adult. Ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get it, but, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I get that grief makes you do crazy things, but, mm-hmm. like, I think that you have to be a little bit, like, you have to have a few screws loose and you have to be a little bit homicidal to be like, yeah. oh, I'm going to kill these five children. As revenge. No, that's not how normal people process their grief, man. No, no. Like, there are better ways. Uh-huh. Hell, like, crawl into a fucking bourbon bottle. Like, that's a better way than killing children. Jesus. Like, that should be your last, your last stop. Well, and to that point, realistically, what should have happened, mm-hmm. she should have no longer been employed there. Yes. I mean, that, that's the real thing. Like, if... Right. Like, if... If your child died at a place... And well, that's creepy. Um, if your child died at a place, and then you like are like, I can keep working here. They should have been like, mm, no, 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 there's something wrong. Like you should not ever want to step foot in this place again. No, no. So it is at this point that uh, Laura truly goes off the deep end. Yes, because she knows it's these children, mm-hmm. and she believes that they are playing a game with her. Right. She believes that they've taken her son. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've the, the last clue they gave her before going into the uh, the shed mm-hmm. was a doorknob. Right. 
She ends up finding the doorknob. She ends up, yes, she does find the doorknob. And she's like looking for places the doorknob can fit in the shed. Right. Because she couldn't find a single place in the house that it could go to. Right. So she goes to the shed because, I mean, it's the next building. Right. This is where she finds the necklace that has photos of, from Benigna. Right. Yeah. In front of the stove or in front of the stove, ovens, whatever, (laughs) heating elements. Sure. (laughs) But yeah, clearly like this is, this is where... This is where she was. Right. When she snuck back in. So, like, that mm. pin had fallen off of her. Right. And she was like, oh, yeah, this is where she was. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly, she was trying to get into these ovens. Right. Like, there was something, there's something significant over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when she starts trying to, like, open the ovens. And, and that's when she discovers the bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, she, again, and this, I feel like this is a little bit on the husband. <laughs> Because he's like, we're leaving. And she's like, just give me two days to say goodbye. Yeah. And he's like, sure, honey. It's like, no. (laughs) No, sir. Just don't leave yet. Yeah. Like, this woman has lost her child. She's been acting increasingly erratically. She just discovered the bodies of her five closest childhood friends. Right. Who had been brutally murdered. Oh, which, by the way, we we don't ever, like, get a, a... We don't ever get an explanation as to why... As as to why Benigna was able to get away with this. Why she was able to just, like, yeah. murder five children. And, like, no one ever wondered where they went. Right. Like, I get it. Like, it was a remote place. But, like, surely there is some kind of agency, like, government agency that oversees. You would think so. <laughs> one would hope. Right. I mean, it was a long time ago, I guess. Like, maybe not in the 80s. I don't know. But, yeah, the, one would hope that the Spanish government would have some kind of oversight into, like, you know wards of the state <laughs> nah they're like we don't need to know <laughs> or like you know the the local like who was running that who was running that orphanage the church like why didn't the church notice that all the orphans went missing? right um what about the headmistress there like did she kill her too where'd she go i don't yeah she just straight up disappeared right like no one ever no one ever gives an explanation as to where she went or why she did not like alert the authorities when the children went missing Right. So, I mean, maybe Benigna killed her, too. I don't know. So, he's like, yeah, sure, you can have two days to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Which, like... Choices. Choices, sir. Not great. Um, you're a doctor. Right. Right? Like, shouldn't you know better than this? Like, shouldn't you recognize that, like, this woman is, is hanging on by a thread and the thread is fraying quickly? I mean, you would think. One would hope. But no. But He's no. like, let me just learn this the hard way. <laughs> the extremely hard way. <laughs> At that point, she sets about returning the orphanage to the state it was in when she, the day that she left. Yes. So she pulls out all the old beds and she puts them back together. She mm-hmm. puts on the headmistress's. She puts on the headmistress's dress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she lays out. She makes a whole bunch of sweets, including. She also like picks blackberries, which like I'm like I feel like that's just. Isn't that sort of just like rubbing it in their faces? Ooh, like a little she, bit. She feeds them blackberries. It's like, right. you don't think they knew what killed them? Like, what? come on, they're ghosts. Um, <laughs> ghosts always know what killed them. You know, so she has this whole setup and she's like hoping that they'll come and tell her where the boy is. Which they do. Mm-hmm. In a roundabout way. Yeah. So, and this is this is one of the like, this is this is by far the most effective scene in the movie is like she's like fine 
you want to keep playing? Like, I'll play with you for a little while, but then you have to tell me where my son is. Mm -hmm. And so she goes into a dark room and she starts playing the knock on the wall game. And so, you know, she turns around. It's an empty room. And the camera work here is great, too, because it's a handheld. Oh, yes. Like, they're not using, it's not like a nice, smooth, you know, swing back and forth. It really is, you know, again, our entire perspective is through her eyes. So, like, during this part, when she swings her head, the camera swings. It's not stable, right? It shakes Mm -hmm. because it's a handheld. Right. Much like the Super 8, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it is, it's a, it's a gorgeous little subtle piece of cinematography of using the handheld in that moment. Um, so, you know, room's empty. One, two, three, knock on the wall, turns around. There's a kid standing there. One, two, three, knock on the wall. Then there's five of them. They keep getting closer. One of them touches her mm-hmm. and the game begins, right? right? So she's chasing them around. Uh, playing, tags with, playing tag with ghosts, I would think would be difficult. A little bit. I mean... <laughs> have to be pretty solid ghosts right. <laughs> like, does that count my hand went through you um but eventually one of them does lead her to the closet mm-hmm. and she finds that there is a hidden door into which the door knob fits mm-hmm. which allows well, go ahead well and and she wouldn't have realized it but the kids are like look at this doorknob Hi, look at this doorknob that's inside of the main door. Because they kept closing right. the door Yeah, on they her. kept closing the door on her. Mm-hmm. And they were like, door, door, <laughs> door. <laughs> look at it. Look at the door. There's a door. Um, so really, I mean, that's the interesting thing is that like as, as sort of sinister as the like ghosts of the children are presented to be the entire time, mm-hmm. they A, did not cause his death. Right. Uh, and B, were trying to help the entire time. Yep. They were trying to help her find out what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And trying to help her find her son. Right. The entire time. Um, so, and she finds, of course, a secret cellar. Which, you know, again, you, we love a secret cellar. Like, in a closet. Right. Covered by wallpaper. Covered by wallpaper in this one. Like, I mean, it was actually like, you know. Who did that? I I don't know. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes down and she finds like a little desk and a little bed. And it's clear that this is where they kept Tomas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is horrifying. Well, and maybe that was it. Maybe Benigno was the one that did that. So that no one would find her son. Right. Like before he died. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe. Um, but yeah, so she, uh, so she of course immediately goes down there because like it wouldn't, wouldn't be a haunted house movie if somebody didn't go into the creepy secret basement. I mean. You got it. So she goes down there, she finds the little desk, she finds the, the evidence that Tomas had lived here. Mm-hmm. And then she finds her son. And he's alive and well. Right. Mm. <laughs> and uh, she picks him up. And she's like, you know, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's all a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Just close your eyes real tight. And then when you open them, it'll make them go away. Right. Go away. Go away. She closes her eyes real tight. 
She opens them. And the blanket she's holding is empty. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, her son's not down there. Right. I mean, her son's not down well, there alive and well. Right. Nine months later. Right? right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he did not just find nine months worth of food. In this basement. No. Right. Like, and his medication. And his medication. <laughs> right? like, 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 nine months down the road in a cold basement, like, he'd probably be in trouble. Yeah, a little right? bit. Right? Like, I also wonder if it's interesting that she found him after nine months. Like, if it, it was the length of, you know, it was... I mean, roughly. I mean, I know a pregnancy is technically 10 months. But, right. But it was roughly the length of a pregnancy. Right. When she found him. Mm-hmm. And she she had not ever, you know, she didn't give birth to him. Mm-hmm. But she did, like, have this, this nine-month window of anticipation. And then she found him. I'm, I'm wondering if they did that on purpose. I, I feel like that. I can see that tying into it. Right. Like, yeah. Because why would it be nine months and not a year? Right. Right. Like, what was the, like, the six months or a year, but, like, nine months is kind of an odd time frame. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not really, you know, you wouldn't think of that as, like, milestone Right? Unless you're pregnant. Yeah. Then, that's it's, like, very, then it's very milestone Yeah, you think, Rocky. <laughs> it's not food. Yeah, no, you think, boy. you think nine months, and you immediately think pregnancy. Pregnancy. Yeah. Right. So, um... So she, she's been staring up the stairwell because she's waiting for the children to come down the stairs mm-hmm. and like get her, right? Right. She opens her eyes. She looks at the stairwell again and the banister's broken. Mm-hmm. She looks at the floor and she sees a body wearing the sackcloth mask. Right. The boy in the sackcloth mask had been her son. Mm-hmm. He had gone down to the basement to hide when she had looked in the closet and those pieces of metal, whatever they were, playground equipment or whatever it was, had fallen out and she shoved them back in. They had lodged against the door. Mm-hmm. And when the boy was pulling on the door to try to get out and banging to be like, hey, I'm in here, mm-hmm. the doorknob broke. Right. Which is why the one side of the doorknob was off the door. Mm-hmm. He fell backwards, crashed through the banister, and fell to his death. He had been dead and in the basement the entire time. Yep. Like from from, I mean, really the the day, the day after he disappeared. Yeah. Maybe even the day that he mm-hmm. disappeared. Like I don't know. It's it's a little hard to figure out like the timing, like you said, of like the timeline of like mm-hmm. how long was she in the hospital? Maybe just long enough for them to set her leg. So maybe it was that same night. Right. Um, or maybe he had like fallen asleep and it was like the next day or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the loud noise that she'd heard was her son falling. Yep. And so now, she, now she knows the truth, which was a truly horrifying prop. Yeah. It, it looked like kind of a combination between Pinocchio and, uh, the creature from the fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well, I think it, it also looks, I mean, he's mummified. Like that's why yeah. it looks like that. But, mm-hmm. um, he it also looks like a doll. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh huh. Um, and I I think that the I think that actually both the doll angle because I mean dolls figure prominently into the last sort of act of the film. Right. Um, but also the Pinocchio because mm-hmm. they talk about Peter Pan. Right. right. But the the Pinocchio is not a real boy. Right. Right. And that's the whole thing. He's not a real boy. Mm-hmm. He's a doll. He's not a real boy until he is a real boy. Right. Right. So she is holding 
when she does, when she dies herself, mm-hmm. when she, she dies by suicide by ingesting too many of her pills. Right. When, when she dies by suicide, she has this wooden looking child mm-hmm. in her hands. Right. And then she sets him down and he's a real boy. Right. Right. Very much like the end of the Pinocchio story, mm-hmm. where like suddenly Pinocchio's just flesh. Right. Right. Um, so I, I do think that that one was thrown in intentionally as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's also the moment. So that's that is the moment where she sees herself. Right. Outside. Right before that happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she's she's sitting there. She says she wants Simon back. Mm-hmm. She sees the light in the lighthouse, which doesn't work anymore. Right. <laughs> so, looks outside, sees herself, mm-hmm. and then puts the boy down, and he is her son again. Mm-hmm. And then she looks over, and and all of the other children are there too, mm-hmm. including Tomas. Right. Who's like has now made friends with with the you know the other ghost children. Like they weren't they weren't ever trying to be malicious. They weren't trying to harm right. him. Right. It's just was a tragedy um and you know he's like hey sorry my mom murdered you all great sucks for you sucks sorry um i do think it's rather touching that like you know the whole purpose of like he was sort of this like fan of the opera figure right where he was being hit away specifically because he had this facial deformity what he does when he walks into the room is he walks straight to the blind girl Mm -hmm. right and so the idea that like perhaps the he and the blind girl had made friends because right. she couldn't see his deformity. Mm-hmm. And so she wasn't sort of repulsed by him and she was like willing to talk to him and like get to know him. Right. He pulls her by the hand up to Laura and she f- feels her face and then confirms for the other children that that is in fact who it is. Mm-hmm. And then they all like, you know, gather around and she becomes, you know, the new caretaker of these well, now seven, because we're including her own. Right. Uh, these now seven children. Mm-hmm. Cut to... Um, and this is the... This is like the... This is like the, you know... The slightly little uplifting ending. Like, I guess... I guess the uplift... I guess the happy ending is that she gets to stay with her son. And that right. the children have someone to care for them. Mm-hmm. Um but it's still just like tragedy all around. Right. Like this woman died by suicide after finding her her dead child in the basement. <laughs> right? Right. After having learned that all of these other children were brutally murdered. Right. <laughs> like like tragedy after tragedy after, after tragedy, tragedy just after tragedy, on just like, a virtual like onion of <laughs> It is a tragedy pie. Yep. <laughs> and tragedy tart. <laughs> but she also right before she dies rips off her husband's medal. Right. And drops it on the ground. Mm-hmm. So her husband clearly isn't going to stay in that place. He's no. he's having the place cleared out. Mm-hmm. He has put up a memorial um, to his wife and his child and also the children who died. Right. There. So it's like mm-hmm. it says, you know, or it says something like rest in peace, Laura and Simon, and also the orphans right. and then lists them. Although... Mm-hmm. They list Tomas with the orphans, and he wasn't. But, that's right. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't. <laughs> he had a mother. Right. <laughs> that's the whole <laughs> the whole thing. Um, <laughs> very, again, like, very sort of, like, this is how, you know, this <laughs> is very, like, she's like Pamela Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
right? Like, right down to the, oh my gosh, she's Pamela Voorhees. Like, she, okay, wait, stay with me here. The, 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 the physically, like, physically deformed child, right? Mm -hmm. Who drowns. Yeah. And then his mother goes crazy and kills a bunch of kids. Different age kids. She's Pamela Voorhees. Anyway. Um, I'm sorry. So, so, Sir Director uh, J.A. Bayoa, I said his last name real bad. <laughs> J.A. Bayona. Sure. Talk about people who don't have original concepts. And you took, <laughs> you cherry picked from like 10 different stories. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, it is, right. Even without the Jurassic Park thing, it was like a, a funny thing for him to say because this is just such a conventional. Right. I mean, again, it is an incredibly well-executed... Right, he did a phenomenal job. He did a job. phenomenal job. Like, one of my favorite things about this film is the use of color, actually. Yeah. Is, like, the um, the beginning. Because, like, Spain is not exactly a place that you think of as being dreary, right? Like No, no, it's, it's not. It's sun-soaked. Right. Or at least it should be, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's your, that's your idea of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they have plenty of storms and gray days, but, like... At the beginning, when it's her childhood and all of the Super 8 footage, it's the light is incredibly warm, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's that kind of sunlight that permeates the air, right? Mm-hmm. And makes everything look almost dusty. Right. Right. Um, and then things are still very bright before Simon disappears. Once mm-hmm. Simon disappears the color is slowly leached out of mm-hmm. out of the the sort of um out of the setting until by the time we get to the end i mean she's in the dark but but still but like the limestone of the building begins to like meld into the cloudy sky mm-hmm. when it didn't before right? right like it didn't look gray before it looked more brown mm-hmm. you know what i mean like uh, so that was a really, a really brilliant, again, very subtle little use of, mm-hmm. of a filmmaking technique of just like leaching that color out of the world, mm-hmm. the longer that she is looking and the, like the further into her own head she goes and the further into her despair and her grief that she goes, mm-hmm. the actual color leaches out of the world. Right. And then it's not like after when... The husband is clearing out the house. The color looks normal again. Right. So it is because our point of view is 100% through Laura Mm -hmm. that that color was leaching because the color was leaching out of her world. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not because, like, the the actual, like, Spanish coast got grayer. No, it was just how she was... Seeing it. Seeing it. Yeah. And so the husband, even in his grief, like, he's, he's handling his grief differently, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. But he also like even in his grief, you don't you don't have that effect. It looks it looks normal again. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has put up a memorial to his wife, his son and the children at this site. He's having everything cleared out. One would assume that he's old place. Um, and he is sort of like doing a final walkthrough, walks into the room where his wife died mm-hmm. and finds his medal on the floor and the final shot is the uh doors to that room opening on their own 
Mm-hmm. And he looks up and he smiles. And then we cut to black and the movie's right. over. So, like, that's that's this movie's idea of a happy ending. <laughs> so, very sad. <laughs> Beautiful, but sad. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, but I appreciate that ending because that's him kind of suddenly believing that. Right, exactly. Everything like, yeah, she, that, yeah. yeah, that metal mm-hmm. is important because A, she took it off because she found Simon. Right. Right. right? Which is what he told her to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was his way of knowing that she had found Simon. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew that she found Simon. Right. Because obviously when she was discovered, right. she had his body. Right. right. Um, but in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, you would assume that he now has been touched by it enough that he can see. Right. That she is there happy with, with the children. Mm-hmm. So. Beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. So that is The Orphanage. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. So join us next time when we talk about something that is a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. 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 Um, but until then, of course, uh, like and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Spotify. And then, of course, Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at F and Frights Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at F and Frights Pod. Facebook, of course, at Friday Night Frights. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, check out our website at FNFrightsPodcast.com. Of course, if you have anything that you want to say to us, don't say it, but scream it. Mm-hmm. Um, at Scream at FNFrightsPodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we have our Patreon. Our Fright Club. Mm-hmm. And Katie, what is the first rule of Fright Club? We have said this before. <laughs> but I feel it needs it we need to reiterate. If there is a scary secret basement in your home or in any other building over which you have acquired stewardship, simply do not go into that basement. <laughs> Stay the fuck out. Stay out. <laughs> Nothing good is coming. If there is a door that is covered in wallpaper, and again, I would absolutely not follow this advice. <laughs> I would I, be the first one down there. I ah. would too. You're not alone. You're not alone, but also stay the fuck out. Right. <laughs> um, but we would learn that lesson the hard way, Katie. We would. We absolutely would. We would not. <laughs> we really, we're not the type of people who would do well in horror movies, despite knowing so, like, yeah. we know all the tropes and we would fall for everyone still. Yep. But yeah, just don't do it. But you be smarter than us and, and don't. Stay out. Stay out of creepy places. Do as I say, not as I do. Yep. It's our <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> so, gays and ghouls, tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. And until then, sleep tight.